think about, yeah, what is that worst case scenario? So what? You know, I just kept asking myself, so what? I would be able to get back, make it out, find a new path, do something else. I innately have the ability to generate wealth and provide for myself and my family, and I'll find a way to do that no matter what. So, so what? Why not take this risk and see if I could be incredibly happy doing what I love and accomplish those, you know, provide for your family kind of goals. Welcome to Playmakers. I'm your host, Paul Epstein. 15-year NFL and NBA business exec and best-selling author of The Power of Playing Offense. In my journey, I have discovered that there are two types of people in this world. The difference between elite performers and the rest of the pack. Or what I like to call those that play offense versus those that play defense. Defense always on their heels. Offense on our toes. Defense playing not to lose. Offense playing to win. Defense, the market dictates the terms. Offense, we operate on our terms. Playing with purpose, playing with passion, and taking control of our future. So now, the question is, how do you want to play? And here on the Playmakers Podcast, we play offense. 10 out of 10 times. As we ramp up toward today's episode, pull out your notepad so you can capture all the action so we can make plays and level up together. Playmakers, it's about that time to welcome Kelsey Morera into the conversation. Kelsey is the founder and fearless leader of Dope, a mission-driven edible and bakeable cookie dough business That has led to Kelsey appearing on ABC's Shark Tank and being named to Forbes 30 Under 30. On Playmakers, we believe that businesses and their leaders should not only do well, they should do good. And that's exactly what Dope is doing, working to reduce social stigmas around addiction recovery and mental health. Such a special cause and so needed in today's times. I hope that you are as fired up for today's conversation as I am. And as a reminder, many of the key takeaways of today's show can be found in the show notes on playmakerspod.com. With that, let's welcome Kelsey Morera into the Playmakers Podcast. Kelsey, welcome to Playmakers. How are we doing? I'm good. Happy Monday. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, of course. And we are so fired up to tap into your world. I know uh, there's a lot of folks that may have seen you on a little show called Shark Tank. So we we may come back to that in a little bit. But before (laughs) we do. All right. So the company name is Dope. D-O-U-G-H-P. So the dough as in cookie dough. I actually have a guilty pleasure that I want to kick us off with. So you don't know this about me yet, Kelsey, but I am just infatuated with cookie dough. Like literally favorite Ice cream flavor is cookie dough. So I want (laughs) to know, of course, right? I'm preaching to the choir. What got you? So even less about the foundation of the company, but just the concept of cookie dough itself. What got you into it? Yeah, I mean, dessert wise, for sure. I feel like cookies were always just my go to. I loved how versatile it was when you're making cookies. You could have a great chocolate chip cookie recipe and then it'd be like, well, today I want to add like, you know, I don't know, caramel bits in it or pretzel pieces or whatever. And it was just a great 
canvas to work off of, I guess. So I always had a lot of fun just making cookies. But similarly, cookie dough ice cream, I just found myself like constantly digging out like the little nuggets and being like, for sure, you almost ignore the ice cream. (laughs) Exactly. It was like, can we invert this? Like, what if it was just a tub of cookie dough with like spots (laughs) of ice cream in it? I think that's what I'd been looking for. So product wise, yeah, certainly just always a big fan of um, cookies. And I mean, I've never met a sweet I didn't like, but cookies and cookie dough were just, uh, yeah heavy uh, front runners for me. Love it. Love it. All right. So now let's talk a little bit of the, now that we know some of that, it's almost like a childhood passion, right? It's like we we're just jazzed up talking about cookie dough in itself, but you have actually yeah. built it into quite a successful business, my friend. So why don't you give us that origin story? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, I still think it's insane that I'm running this massive cookie dough company because <laughs> it is so, um, that childhood joy that it, that comes out when you think about it, that I've just always had such a love of sweets and that I've found a way to make my whole life wrap around it is pretty awesome. But uh, it starts for me back in 2017. That's when I launched Dope. Um, this was off the heels of a 10-year career in tech. So I had not worked in the food industry at all. I was actually working at Intel since I was 16 and started there as an intern and uh, went on through those school years. And every summer, um, it, just to wind up with this 10 year career after such a young age. And I think for me, the transition from just being a kid who was like, you know, just living her life and already dealing with a little bit of anxiety and perfectionism issues in school kind of went to the next level when I got the chance to go into corporate America. So little Kelsey, who loved to bake and love all these sweets as we were <laughs> chatting about, kind of like lost her way through those years. I really leaned on alcohol to deal with the stress and anxiety of corporate life. And, um, I lost all those passions. I wasn't baking anymore. I wasn't running, wasn't doing yoga, like kind of just lost all the like, who is Kelsey under these layers of just like showing up to work and then kind of drinking to, um, to just deal with the stress and not have to feel the feelings. But the story gets really awesome. And dope comes into the picture because I made the choice to get sober. And that was the best decision of my whole life. Got sober in 2015. And, um, yeah, it was like, it was like taking off these foggy goggles and just being like, Oh, man, like, here's the world. Here's life. What do you want to make with it? And going out to do something that mattered, you know, is really where I where I got to. So this self discovery kicked off, and I got to find out what I like to do, what were my hobbies going to be. And in large part, you know, as I said, in my childhood, I kind of went back to that. And I was just baking all the time, love to, um, love to eat sweets, love to make it for other people. Like seeing someone try a dessert I've made and light up, it like brings me so much joy to bring someone else joy through food. Um, so yeah, I was like bringing in baked goods into the office and slowly, but surely getting nudges that I should sell it. And I don't have any entrepreneurs in my family. So this hadn't been on my radar at all that like, maybe I'd start my own company. It's like, Oh yeah, there's those people on shark tank. <laughs> like they do that. That's <laughs> not for me. Um, but sure enough, it, it was for me. So I, uh, yeah, wound up making this, this leap and starting a cookie dough company and leaving my career behind to see if people liked cookie dough as much as I do. Yeah, and apparently they do. We are going <laughs> to double click on the current state of cookie dough or dope, I should say, because the trajectory and the growth that you and your business and your company and your team have shown and exemplified over the years is just really fascinating. But I want to go back to something before we get there. You started to do some self-reflection and I appreciate the authenticity, the vulnerability, you just opening up the way you did. That's awesome. So who is Kelsey? On her best day, you asked that question about the self-discovery. Who is Kelsey on her best day? Oh, I love this question. Um, I feel like 
Kelsey on her best day. Hmm. Kelsey on her best day is almost like acknowledging that not every day can be the best day. Sometimes I'm so hard on myself to try and be the best day Kelsey all the time. And um, I actually think the grace and ease sobriety has given me lets me be okay with the days that aren't so perfect. Um, and that I get that opportunity to like face them and think about how I'm feeling and go through it, you know? So it's like the best day is recognizing that it can't always be the best day. Um, I feel a lot more, um, self-empathy lately trying to understand that I've got to find a, a balance and this life's a marathon, not a sprint thing. I was like unconvinced for a very long time. I'm like, no, <laughs> every day is a sprint or else it's over. And like, that's the only way to win. But I am trying to, yeah, slowly but surely soak up um, the little things in life a little bit more and know that I can't be running like 800 miles an hour uh, every single day, every other day, maybe. But um, yeah, there's definitely more balance in my life. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because at the time we're filming this here, we're in some ways emerging from the pandemic and really taking geography out of it. I think a lot of us are still in the storm. If not physically, there's mentally, there's emotionally, for some people spiritually. Whatever energies are flowing in and out of your body, it's been a tumultuous few years for a lot of people. And I know that there is a deep-rooted cause tied into the mission of your company, and I do want to get there. But something that connects to what you just shared with us a minute ago, I saw on Dope's web page, which was, it's kind of a Venn diagram. And on one side, I see daily grind. On the other, I see total burnout, which many people are feeling right now. That's for sure. And that sweet spot where the two circles intersect and overlap, you said finding true balance. So I feel like that taps into a lot of what you said. So if finding true balance is that target that we should all be striving toward tactically for all the playmakers listening in how can we find true balance yeah i mean i think it goes back to what i was saying about um self-empathy and to find balance you have to find it in yourself to accept that it's not gonna be this all on or nothing and that there's got to be something in the middle so setting yourself up for success, like, um, goes back to the old adage about goal setting, you know, try not to set goals that are so outrageous that then when you start to not hit it, it's like, Oh, well, I failed already. I'll just put it aside. Great example is like, I'm going to start meditating. I'm going to meditate every morning for the next two weeks straight. And it's like, have you been meditating at all yet? Do you have an idea about how you're going to do that? And like, if none of these things have been a part of your routine, do you think it's going to be possible really to hit it every single day versus, I look at my, you know, meditation practice as part of a mental health recipe card. So one of a number of things like that I want to try and fit into my week. And so it's this like softness around it of saying, how many of those things did I get this week? You know, how many of my mental health recipe card ingredients did I hit over the course of this week? And being okay if it was only two of the five this week. And what are my steps to try and hit three or four next week and not feeling like, I've got to do all of these things, you know, journal, call my parents, like call a friend, um, go on a run, write, um, yeah, write my journal, meditate, read a book, like these different things that I try to get. And I, I used to just be so, oh, I'm not hitting this routine and it's off. And then you completely drop it and you're not doing it instead of that softness, just like a lightness with ourselves. And you mentioned, you know, with the pandemic that has just felt like, it's just morphed like the way we're all living now, even if there are less things affecting our day-to-day -day restrictions of where we're going or what we're doing, 
it's just really changed how we interact with others and with ourselves and with our jobs. And um, I don't know, it's made it all really challenging to accept that this is the new new. So I found, um, yeah, searching for that balance and working to find a little bit more grace with yourself is like the best thing you can do to make it through what it is today. As we take a short break from today's interview, I'd like to share a quick reminder to check out the episode show notes on playmakerspod.com, where you will find a treasure trove of key insights, thought starters, and additional resources from today's conversation. Also, a quick shout out to our show sponsor, Audible, who is offering each and every playmaker a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial when you visit audible.playmakerspod.com. With that, let's get back to the conversation. It's time to level up. So good. So you're bringing us now to, we've spoken a little bit about the journey, but here we are present day. So catch us up. Where is dope? So years later, it's been a, correct me if I'm wrong, founded in 2017, correct? Yep. Yeah, we're like four right, and a half so years in. So four years into the journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So four years into the journey. Catch us up. What's been happening ever since? And we'll stop there. And then I have some future-based questions, but catch us up on the journey for the last four years. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, sometimes I'm like, I can't believe it's been four years because it feels like it's been 10, or like 20. So much has happened. Um, every six months of owning a business, I think, is like getting another MBA. You know, it's just you're diving into a whole new area, new sales channel, new big challenge, um, learning fundraising, learning, you know, all these different components that you've got to just dive into. So it really has been quite a journey. I, I started the business off the first couple of years with a big focus on brick and mortar storefronts. So if you saw us on Shark Tank, you saw that we had a store in San Francisco on Pier 39, and we were opening up one and did so in spring of 2019 on the Las Vegas Strip. Um, the pandemic that we just discussed changed a lot of things about the brick and mortar storefront. But late 2019, Thank goodness. My husband joined the company as co-CEO and he helped me to kind of, you know, we sat down and analyzed like, here's all these channels we have running. What should we be focusing on? And it was the brick and mortar store and e-commerce. It's like, thank the Lord, (laughs) the cookie dough gods were looking down on us because starting e-commerce in late 2019 was the best possible thing we could have really done. Um, it was always there. If you'd gone to our site, you could buy, but we weren't doing any ads. There was no conversion rate optimization. I don't even think I knew what AOV was, average order value. You know, we just weren't really focused on being an e-commerce brand. It was just there. So focusing on it, we ended up going from 30 boxes a month in November of 19 to 3000 a week in April of 2020. Absolutely. Holy smokes growth of like, (laughs) hold on tight. How are you going to make it through this scaling up a business that dramatically in the midst of a pandemic is like unlike anything I've ever done in my whole life. But um, we were able to more than double our sales in 2020 over 2019. And all the while having shut down our final brick and mortar storefront in 2020. So 90% of our revenue in 2020 was our online business. Um, That's continued this year. We're almost doubling our online sales again in 21. And now the new frontier for us, no more brick and mortar stores are open. We're going into retailers. So brick and mortar by other um, consumer packaged goods uh, terminology, but, um, you know, grocery stores is really the next frontier for us. So we just launched last month in Harmons. It's 19 stores through Utah. 
and we have a launch with Walmart coming up. So I'm really excited. Walmart, I, I might have heard of them. <laughs> yeah, like a little little thing, you know, found in Arkansas or something. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's really, it's an exciting time to think about how much is ahead on the the wave of this retail landscape. Um, got the chance to meet with the buyers at Costco just last week and um, just got some amazing feedback. So it's really nice to know that continue to be reminded that dope is doing something different. You know, like when we auditioned on shark tank, they said they had something like 13 other brands, um, that same, same year audition, but that dope is really, really doing it different stands out and, um, tastes the best, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. Yes. Heck yeah. All right. Well, at the end of this, we're going to, of course, get your information out there in terms of where can we buy, where can we follow all that good stuff. So we're, we're trying to do a Cookie donation here. This is this is very much about a movement, folks. All playmakers get on the cookie dough bandwagon. Follow dope. All right. Um, Shark Tank. Let's go back there real quick because you've caught us up on the latest success. You've also tapped into where you want to go, what the aspiration is. When you were on the show, that experience, A, just kind of kid in a candy store for all of us listening in. What was that like? And then B, coming off of that, and you can feel free to share. I don't want to spoil it. You can say whether you got the offer or not from a shark. But I'm also just curious because knowing the promotion and publicity that's involved, what happened after? Like, is it one of those where next day, bang, hockey stick growth? Or like, just walk us through the experience and then what happens right after? Just bring us into that world. Sure. Yeah. Shark Tank was wild. I almost didn't go audition for the show. It was like 6 a.m. I went to sit on a curb for this casting call in San Francisco. So I didn't know anybody in show business. It's not like we got called in. One of my employees was like, Hey, Shark Tank is in town. Like you should go. And I'm thinking like, no, like, you know, I've got this other meeting and I don't know if I could do it. And she's like, I have the cookie dough samples ready. Like you need to audition. And then, you know, got my little butt there at 6am that next morning. So I'm really grateful, Alexis, if you're hearing this, thank you. I always uh, remember her because I really wouldn't have gone, um, without her help, but went and did the open casting calls 90 seconds to tell them why you're going to be like the best entrepreneur for the show. 90 seconds. Um, Yeah. That's all you get. So you're like in this line of, I think there's like more than 500 people there that morning. Uh, the morning news is there and like, they didn't stop to interview me in the line. And I was like, I'm not going to make it, you know, like so dramatic. (laughs) I'm thinking like, Oh, how did they miss me? And then sure enough, I was the only person from that whole casting call to make it on the show that season. Um, there's 40,000 people that apply and 140 or so will make it on a, on a season. So the odds are definitely stacked against you, but yeah, you get that 90 seconds to give them a pitch and uh, let them try your product or see it if it's a, um, you know, different type of product than food. But I was happy that mine was edible. Cause like, sure enough, the executive producers like standing there chowing down on it and continuing to ask questions. So 90 seconds turned into about three minutes that I was, um, actually in the, in the space with them. But uh, call back after call back six months later, you know, I got told that you would be filming for the show. Um, the anxiety level is incredibly high cause they don't give you any certainties. There's like oh, actually quite the contrary. They're constantly telling you that you are not guaranteed to air on the show and that like none of this is promised. And even when you're going down to LA, which is like a whole ordeal to get a U-Haul of all your props. And, you know, I was getting everything, um, ready to go and you go down there and you film and it might not air, you know, they do film more, um, entrepreneurs than will make it on the season. So you may be cut in fact. And it's like, Oh my gosh, to go through that whole thing and then not know if it's actually going to be on TV. And if it doesn't air, you can never speak about it to anybody. It's like, Oh my God, but okay, let's do it. You Sworn know, Sworn secrecy. 
Yeah, sworn secrecy. So um, went down and the process is so wild. Um, it really is quite a production, like literally that they've put this together to get so many entrepreneurs through. And what you don't know is like, you see eight minutes on TV. I was in there for an hour and 15 minutes filming. And every entrepreneur that they're hitting that day is also, you know, somewhere around, I think the longest was just over two hours, but um, yeah, about an hour or so for each person, it's like every question that needs to be asked. And until every shark is out or you get a deal, um, you'll be in there recording. So it's uh, no stops, no breaks, but it flies by for the entrepreneur. I literally thought I was in there for maybe 20 minutes. <laughs> and then when, when it ended and I saw the time, I'm like, what the heck? Like, how did this even happen? So <laughs> very cool. Um, very cool experience. And in regards to getting a deal or not in the tank, I didn't get a shark in the tank, got another investor a couple months later. Um, but I do think the experience overall prepared me to pitch for anybody, you know, like I've never been nervous in another VC presentation or anything. I just feel like it really helped rewire my confidence into that. I had something amazing to let them in on and they would have been lucky to get a part of what I was building. And that has proved true. Look at the valuation of the company um, has grown tremendously since first going on the show. Um, they would have been lucky to have a piece of what I was working on. And if someone doesn't see that, you know, that's their loss. And so it's just a big, yeah, confidence rewiring that happened after I went on that show to realize that it's really what I got going on that that matters. And I just got to keep trucking um, and find people that are aligned to that. Yeah, I love so much of what you just shared. For one, that backstage pass, phenomenal, phenomenal. <laughs> so now everybody knows what it's like to be on Shark Tank. So all you got to do is get that 6 a.m. wake up call, hook yourself up with some <laughs> solid cookie dough and hopefully uh, bribe the producer with some cookie dough. I don't know. But either way. All right. So look, here's what I love about what you just said, Kelsey, is you sold yourself. And I think that's something that is applicable to everybody listening in. We're not all going to be on Shark Tank. We don't all have an amazing product, perhaps like you do. Not, not every playmaker is in the entrepreneurial space. Many are not. But what we do have the ability to do is to sell ourselves, to sell a dream, to sell the best possible version of ourselves. So if you could share with us, you did drop some knowledge and some lessons and insights on a little bit of the how-to, but I want to double click on it. For every playmaker listening in, for your story, how can it translate to all of us? Which I heard some lessons of belief, of growth, of, again, influence, all of that. What can we take from your story that you think universally applies to everybody listening in? Sure. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that got me there was this idea of taking risks. So in whatever your role or function or life uh, is, take risks or you risk being bored forever. That's what I like to say. So um, it's worth it to just try and just see what would happen. You know, if I I had this wild idea, people thought I was going through a quarter life crisis to leave the safe job and go start a cookie dough company. Um, but sure enough, it, it paid off and it was worthwhile. And my quarter life crisis didn't, uh, didn't turn out to be such. And people will always think you're a bit off your rocker starting something new because they're too scared. So, um, I look at what is the worst case scenario, try and map out, okay, I do this and say it lasts a year and then it all comes crumbling down. I literally told myself, I'm like, I'll be more employable after that year for what I would have just learned as a year being my own entrepreneur, or again, apply it to whatever your scenario. Think about 
yeah, what is that worst case scenario? So what? You know, I just kept asking myself, so what? I would be able to get back, make it out, find a new path, do something else. I innately have the ability to generate wealth and provide for myself and my family. And I'll find a way to do that no matter what. So so what? Why not take this risk and see if I could be incredibly happy doing what I love and accomplish those, you know, provide for your family kind of goals. So um, that's certainly like one big takeaway I have. I think, you know, the other one is just really believing that you've got it inside and, and proceeding as if there's no other path than success. So when I go forward in any discussion, it's, I really just know that we're going to find a way through. I know that we're going to work it out. And that has time. And again, like just directed me right to the answer that I needed at the perfect time. So really believe it in your soul that like, you're going to make this work and you will. Um, my, yeah, (laughs) sorry, Paul. I could go on. No, no, Kelsey, this is, gosh, (laughs) gosh, this is, this is so phenomenal. I hope everybody just heard how much richness was in the detail and the fire and the spirit that you had. So you talked about even tapping into your soul. Now, if there's one thing I know about not only you, Kelsey, but the mission of dope, and I mean this from a very positive and respectful place. But you're bigger than cookie dough. I go to your site and it's almost on the second or third fold when I start being able to shop for cookie dough. It's the mission. It's the cause that is front and center. I believe, as I just heard the fire in your belly about not only the origin story and how you've grown, but even the life lessons that you've learned through the process Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's because of the deeper burn. It's because of the mission and the cause. So why don't you, for one, please let me know if that's accurate. And two, if it is, please talk to us about the mission and the cause of what, if success for cookie dough is, or for dope, I should say, is maximizing revenue and impact, it's for a greater purpose. So talk to us about that. Yeah, and it absolutely is a big you know, the find your why concept, like figure out what is that thing going to be that propels you forward to work the crazy hours that it takes to go on the emotional roller coaster that it takes to really go that extra mile. Like it has to be for something more. I mean, maybe there's people out there who are purely motivated by dollars in their bank account, but that just wasn't going to be it for me to be the the only driving factor and really what toll it can take on you to, to be the entrepreneur you need to be, um, to grow a successful business. So, um, that's been a huge thing. And, and the mission itself is very close to my heart. Like I shared my story of mental health struggles of addiction recovery and getting sober. And, um, that really became the core of the business. So late 2017, we were having our first, um, grand opening of a kiosk on market street and it was on my two year sober birthday. So I put in the Facebook event and I said, if you say it's dope to be sober at checkout, you'll get 20% off. And I got all these messages from people being like, Hey, I'm, you know, two weeks sober. Do you know of any good meetings in the city? Or I'm 13 years sober and I've never told anyone. It's really cool to see you sharing this. And I just had such a light bulb of like, holy cow, like people really want to talk about this. If they're willing to write and DM this little cookie dough person, you know, like, who am I, um, who am I to have this conversation? But then I thought, I'm exactly who should be having this conversation. And I decided that dope was giving me uh, this chance to have a platform to talk about issues that I cared about, not only in a 
vocal, elevate the conversation way, but also to really drive impact with donations that we could make to nonprofits working in the space. So Dope for Hope comes to life, um, came to life after that. And our Dope for Hope initiative is really across three pillars of the company. So one is for the community. We do Mental Health Mondays. So if you want a little dose of hope on your Instagram, you can follow us. Uh, we also do that through our emails. And we have a pledge on our website that people can sign and share. It says you'll be there for a friend when they need you and that you'll reach out for help when you need it. The middle one is for inside the company. I'm a big proponent of this and helping actively helping other employers try to um, institute different policies inside their business. So many companies are like, Hey, look what we're doing out for the world. And you're just like, yeah, but how is your staff? Like, <laughs> how are things going for the mental health inside your company? So we recently became a designated recovery friendly workplace. Um, this exists in 28 States and was really attributed to our focus on all these different mental health policies we've put in place and helping our employees bring their full selves to work across mental health, addiction, recovery, and suicide prevention. So some really cool actionable stuff for anybody listening. Definitely go look up Recovery Friendly Workplace. Uh, one in 12 Americans are in active recovery. And um, it's just short-sighted these days because of it being such a stigmatized area. Short-sighted that employers don't often think of it um, or don't often realize that they have people in recovery and their staff. So the more we can bring that out, almost like a coming out of the closet for people in recovery to be excited to share this amazing thing about their life that they saw something wasn't working and they changed it. Like, I'm here for it. I want to help more people be able to, to celebrate that together. Um, and that last pillar is the donation component. So 1% uh, of all of our sales company-wide donated to She Recovers Foundation. And it's for women who are inner-seeking recovery. Um it's amazing, huge group of women supporting each other and knowing that like at the core of the recovery journey across mental health or substance use disorders, like being together with other people who have walked that road and being able to to engage and get support from one another. So it's pretty sweet. It's much more than cookie dough, like you said, and, you know, really working to make this a platform across indulgent desserts that shows we can use food for good and um, yeah, and make a difference with every bite. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's better than sweet. Frankly, it's just such a beautiful cause, beautiful mission, beautiful purpose. Um, I think the spirit that you're attacking each day with is beautiful. Uh, really, Kelsey, bravo, because yes, you have led and I know you're branded as a fearless leader. You have been a fearless leader of a very empowering tribe to not only make your mark in the business landscape, that's table stakes. I know what you're probably most proud of. And if I'm listening into this as a playmaker, I'm more inspired by what's behind what you do. I think your why and your who are shining brighter than what it is that you have accomplished. And that's exactly what we were hoping to tap into today in this conversation. So for one, Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being so open and authentic and vulnerable and inspiring. And two, how can we follow you? How can we, A, uh, buy more dope, right? And I mean that in a cookie dough sense, okay? Buy more cookie dough. <laughs> but just tell us how we can find you, follow you, consume as much beautiful cookie dough as possible. 
<laughs> Amazing. You can get some of our edible and bakeable cookie dough at dope.com. It's D-O-U-G-H-P.com. Like dough with a P on the end, if that was too challenging. Um, and we're also at dope on Instagram and uh, on Facebook. And we're at eat dope on TikTok, which has been fun. So if you're hanging out there, you can follow us. And then I'm really active on LinkedIn. So Kelsey Moreira or Moreira, if you're Brazilian, like my husband. Um, but you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm always there. So yeah, thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you so much. And again, on behalf of all playmakers, we're here to level up and be inspired by your purpose. So consider us all massive fans of not only what you do, but who you are and why you do it. So signing off. Thank you so much, Kelsey, for being on Playmakers. Thank you. Have a dope day. Loved what you just heard? Share it with another playmaker. And if you gain significant value from today's episode and genuinely feel that you have leveled up, would so appreciate if you gave us a five-star rating. For all of today's show notes, head over to playmakerspod.com where you can not only enjoy additional resources from this show, but all previous episodes as well. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you tune in from. And on a personal note, I'd love to connect one-to-one. Hit me up anytime on LinkedIn at Paul Epstein or Instagram at Paul Epstein Speaks. Playmakers is produced by Detroit Podcast Studios in collaboration with Purpose Labs. Wishing you a high-impact week of action and purpose. See you next time on Playmakers.